As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello to our royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina and I'm so excited to be joined once again by my friend and writer and royal expert, Christine Ross. Christine, we are so excited to have you back on the show this week. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here again. We just had so much fun last week. We thought we'd do it again. (laughs) Totally. We're going to do it again. And we, before we get started, we have to check in on our royal viewers and see what they had to say. Let's kick it off with Kaza, who said, God save our queen. What a stunning picture of her majesty's beloved husband. We miss him too. Of course, this was in reference to her um, speech that she gave at the COP26 um, event where she pre-taped a speech. And in the background was a beautiful photo of Prince Philip surrounded by all of these beautiful butterflies, which uh, was a touching, uh, a touching tribute to her late husband. Yeah, that was really special. It's nice that she's still kind of carrying him with her and her work. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then the next one goes to Jennifer Watson says, I disagree with you regarding Charles becoming king. There are too many constitutional issues to overcome to allow him to take the throne. I thought this was an interesting comment because a lot of uh, Jennifer made the argument that, you know, Prince Charles is a divorcee and um, he shouldn't, you know, take the, shouldn't be able to take the throne because of that. But it seems like the queen bent the, rule, bent the rules a little bit to let him marry her and he's going to be taking the throne. <laughs> I think so. You know, I think only time will tell. You know, we'll see how things play out when, you know, when the time comes. But it is interesting to see that there isn't a lot of precedent for this. So it'll be interesting to see how they decide to have that play out. Yeah, definitely. And the last one goes to Mackenzie Kirby says, great job, Christine. You are a rock star, such an expert. Yes, we had so many <laughs> wonderful comments saying how wonderful you are. So thank you so much, Christine. Thank you guys. So I'm so flattered. (laughs) Definitely. All right. Well, let's get to our Royal Roundup and kick it off with Queen Elizabeth. After pre-taping her speech to the COP26 event, she jet set it over to Sandringham. And it seems like she is definitely on the mend and doing better and had a little VIP transport over to her estate, right? Yeah, she had a nice little helicopter ride. It makes the ride up to Sandringham so much easier. I understand. It's not a fun drive. Um, (laughs) But yeah, she, you know, it's such a peaceful place for her. I think she's up there probably really getting some good rest in and she loves being there. So I think it's probably so good for her, um, you know, her mental health as well as her ability to kind of rest and recuperate. Yeah. And as we know that this is where they spend the holidays. So I'm sure she'll probably be taking the majority of the next two months, I would imagine, staying there. Yeah, I think so, especially since she's... um, 
you know, she is so happy up there. And there, I imagine there's so much to do to organize a Sandringham Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, it is understood that they are hoping to still do the walk to church this year and kind of keep up with those traditions. So I think after last year being so disappointing, we're all really looking forward to that. Definitely. And as we know, she is still under doctor's orders to rest for two weeks. Um, she may be making an appearance on November 14th, but we'll have to wait and see if doctors give her the all clear. So we wish her, it seems like she is definitely um, on the mend and doing well. She, nobody's slowing her down. Oh, no. No, I don't think she'll ever slow down. <laughs> totally, totally. All right. Well, the Duke and Duchess, this is a cool story. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are hiring yet again. They are hiring a digital communications officer. And this sounds like a pretty intense job. It does. They're hiring someone to work um, closely with the current digital communications manager um, to handle all of their social media accounts. So Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, you know, across the board, this person's going to be responsible for that content, which is a big undertaking. Um, And they are really emphasizing diversity in this role. They really want someone who um, represents diversity in themselves. They're looking at a diverse, you know, selection of candidates, but I love that they asked for someone who had a a great knowledge of the diverse communities in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. So they're also really looking for someone who can represent all of the people in the UK as well, who has like a knowledge of this vast, diverse country. And I thought that that was really interesting that they really emphasize that in this listing. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And this person is going to be traveling all around the world with them, really getting to be up close and personal with them. I would imagine that they're going to be pretty much working hand in hand with the Duke and Duchess, which is a pretty interesting job. We have no idea how much it pays, but I would imagine it (laughs) probably pays pretty well if it's such like, if they're asking so much of this candidate. Right. I agree. It probably pays really well, but I think the experience would just be incredible. Like you said, traveling all over the world, going to these amazing events, following the Duke and Duchess as they carry out their work. It would just be, that's the dream job for a lot of people. Seriously. I couldn't even imagine. All right. Well, moving on to (laughs) Prince Harry, he is headed back to New York city this week and is planning to attend the salute to freedom gala. So do we know exactly what Harry's going to be doing at the event? Who's going to be attending? It sounds like another uh, star studded night. Yeah, it should be an incredible event. It's um, a star-studded award ceremony with service members, veterans, military families. Harry's really passionate about representing, um, you know, wounded service members and veterans, especially through his Invictus Games. So I think this is a great event to tie him into um, continuing that work in his new role in the United States. Mm -hmm. I think that so many people will just be, you know, these families that have been through so much will just really appreciate that he's there. Oh, definitely. And I know that he's presenting the inaugural Intrepid Valor Award to five service members, veterans and military families, um, living with the invisible wounds of war. So definitely something like you said that he's super passionate about. I think John Bon Jovi is performing as well. So it's definitely going to be a great night to thank our service members. So like you said, something that is super important to him. So glad he can make the trip over to New York and uh, looking forward to seeing him hit another red carpet. I know that'll be so I think it'll be so nice. And it's nice to see him out and about again and really working for these causes that he's so passionate about. Totally, totally. Well, while Harry takes New York, Meghan will be taking on the British tabloids over a letter she sent to her father, Thomas Markle, begging him to stop talking to the media. I feel like we have been talking about this for like three, it has to be (laughs) three years now. So it's. 
actually been two years. She actually yeah. submitted that, that letters from apparently August 2019. I thought, like you said, it's been out forever. And it's only yeah. been since August 2019 that she wrote that letter and it came out. And what a terrible thing to have play out all over the world's media. I really, my heart goes out to her because when family drama happens and for it to be played out on the world stage must be really devastating for her. Oh, totally. It really has. So do we know what happens if she wins, if she loses? Because it seems like if she loses, this could be dragged on even longer. Yeah. So if she wins, it's kind of a case closed. The original ruling still stands and, you know, that gets she she gets to she wins. She yeah. takes it home. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she loses the appeal, then the process kind of drags out. There could be additional lawsuits, additional appeals filed. And again, you just kind of drag this issue out on the world stage again. Yeah, it's uh, God. Like, yeah, like we said, it's been going on for far too long. I'm sure everybody in this yeah. wants it to be kind of put to bed at this point. And yeah, this, so. yeah. And this comes as her brother actually apologized to Harry and Meghan on, of course, national TV. But he apologized for, uh, you know, saying that he didn't want them to get married. Right. Right. He apologized for this really terrible, scathing letter to Prince Harry that he wrote about, you know, like, don't marry her. It's a mistake. What a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Again, this family drama playing out on the world stage. And I'm sure there was emotions were really running high, especially during that time. And I'm sure he does regret what he said, especially when it became, you know, tabloid fodder. Right. So I think that that was just another terrible, definitely a learning experience for their family, but mm-hmm. just a terrible thing to to have play out. Yeah. I feel like they're definitely not going to be settling these rifts anytime soon. They're not going to be no. gathering for Thanksgiving dinner. No Thanksgiving week. dinners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but I feel like that, uh, that ship has passed. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, now it is time to spill the royalty. And with the release of the film Spencer, it got many people thinking about Diana's relationship with Queen Elizabeth, which was definitely very up and down over the years. Um, did you get a chance to see the movie yet? I haven't. Um, I can't. I wait. haven't seen the movie yet, but I've heard it's really interesting. I've heard yeah. it's so powerful. It is. Yeah. No, I've heard great things. I heard Kristen Stewart gives a, an amazing performance in our interview with Stewart coming up. He has a different take on it because he was actually close with D- Diana. So um, I'm excited for you guys to, to hear his take on it. But yes, it's definitely getting some Oscar buzz so far. And it's, you know, it, it explores her, um, her life over just three days. And I think it was up at Sandringham and, you know, kind of explores her relationship with the queen a little, a little bit. And, you know, it seemed like she kind of turned to the queen during her some tough times, but it was also the queen who ultimately decided to put the end to this marriage too. Yeah, I think it's so interesting, especially since these stories can be a bit one-sided. The queen, has ne- she's never commented and she's never going to. Yes. So we'll never know what her side is. But it definitely does look like the queen, you know, Diana confided in her and went to talk to her and was, you know, often very upset looking either for advice or solutions or even just consolation. And eventually the queen said, you know, this is enough. You're making each other miserable. We just need to part ways. Um And it's been interesting to see how their relationship is portrayed. And I think that it's portrayed as the queen being very cold. But then I wonder if that's because we don't have her side of the story and we never will. Mm -hmm. You know, having that be a one sided story. Well, the queen looks like she's, you know, very, very cold and kind of not very welcoming. But we will never really know. But it definitely, especially after Diana's death, the queen being very, um, you know, uh, quiet and kind of not you know, not making a statement, staying up at, I think they're at Balmoral. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
really painted that picture even further that the queen was kind of cold in this relationship. And I think that that's, um, that's terrible for, for the situation as it was. Um, and for the queen to kind of carry that image, you know, into the future. I feel like, you know, obviously Harry and William have such a close relationship with her. I feel like if they felt that she, that she had treated her mother badly in any way that maybe they wouldn't be as close. And, you know, you, they, I think a lot of people tend to forget that she maybe didn't make a statement after their death, after Diana's death, because she was trying to help to Harry and William kind of cope with this death as well. So, I mean, like you said, we're never going to know the inside story. They'd never explain anything and nor should they, but, um, Yes, it is definitely interesting to speculate over these year, over the years and the events that happen. I think you're so right. It is really telling how close they've stayed and remained through all these big times in history that it really is telling that there's some things that I'm not sure you could forgive. And if a lot of these rumors were true, you know, you'd wonder how they could stay so close. Right. Definitely. Oh, so much to dive into. And it's, it's so fascinating. <laughs> it really is. I mean, now, you know, we have the crown coming back um, next year and there's been some photos of um, the the actress in the revenge dress, um, you know, yes, and she looks revenge. Like, revenge and she looked amazing and it's also interesting because um i know that they uh one of the diana's friends actually pulled out from the netflix show the crown because she said that you know they weren't really treating her story with compassion diana's story with compassion which i think is interesting i found that story so interesting um jemima khan signed on to consult on the crown and she was really outspoken about telling the story in a way that she felt was accurate and when she saw how the story was going to play out and how they were going to portray diana and these series of events she pulled out she said i don't want credit i don't want anything to do with this you're you're not doing what we agreed to. So now I think a lot of Royal Watchers are really nervous <laughs> about what this next season is going to bring about, how things are going to play out, how she's going to be portrayed. Um, and I thought it was so interesting and really brave of Jemima Khan to say, I, this isn't fair to my friend. I'm pulling away from this project. Mm-hmm, definitely. Oh, I, can't, I, I can't wait, though. I'm going to be watching every single episode. I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, now it is time to break down the royal rules. And to help us do that is royal expert and author of Diana, the Voice of Change. We caught up with Stuart Pierce and got his thoughts on Kristen Stewart's portrayal of Diana and where Harry and William stand today. I have to get your take. Did you see Kristen Stewart as Diana and Spencer? And what were your thoughts? Yes, I did. I saw the movie on Saturday, so two days ago. <clears throat> um, I thought it was a very unusual take on the substance of Princess Diana. I would say it's much more to do with the director's lens into what he believed to be the reality of uh, a neurotic disposition within a woman who just happened to be Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. It, you know, this, the, the, the characterization, the storyline, the nature of the way that the screenplay worked, um, what Kristen did, that was nothing to do with Princess Diana. It was a sort of a surreal elegy that was created by Pablo, Pablo the, the director. I loved what he did with Jackie. I thought it was extraordinary. You know, that sort of immensely myopic lens into the torture that Jackie had experienced. And evidently he was trying to use a similar psychological investigation into Diana. It's just really difficult when you take these luminous, iconic figures like Diana, who everybody knows. And of course, everybody knows her for her sparkling authenticity 
and extraordinary immediacy. So when you have a very mannered performance um, from somebody like Kristen, who I think is a really interesting artist, it um, it threw me off. I didn't. I, it took me a long time to move into the actual movie itself and try to um, you know bathe in what his perspective was. Yeah. What did? How did you? What did you think of Kristen as Diana? Well, it wasn't Diana. It was right. somebody who was assuming Diana. Mm-hmm. And she had been, I think Kristen is a really interesting artist. I think mean, she's a really interesting actress. Um, but she'd been contorted into a mannered performance yeah. uh, that was just unreal for me. So I was never indivisibly part of what Diana is all about. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was one of the most compelling things about the real Diana, that we were so, you know, so indubitably linked into the vital substance of her life force, her character, her easiness, her humor, and her beauty and elegance. You know, Diana was all flow. Diana was elegant and gracious and very into her body. And what uh, Kristen had been asked to do was to move through a very staccato, a very boom, 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 boom quality of uh, of energy. This sort of thing. So it was actually difficult to hear what she was saying most of the time. Um, Jumping ahead to modern times. I mean, do you, um, you know, Prince William had a big get together for all of the people that uh, contributed to Diana's statue. Were you surprised that Harry was not there? No, not in the slightest. No, no. No, it was something that was planned between the two of them because their schedules were just slightly conflicting. Unfortunately, I believe that the the particular aspect that you're talking about within the schedule was added on quite some time after the administration, both administrations, both households had come together to discuss how, for example, Harry could fly into the country and so right. forth. But there was no, I mean, there's no misconstruing about this is another, another <laughs> vital slap in the face and therefore the conflict and the rift between them. No, it was just something that was actually discussed way before. <laughs> They're on really good terms. Are they? Oh, yeah. Um, what, are they like in, in constant communication a little bit more or is it just a, over time? Oh, they, always have been. they always have been. Mm-hmm. It's just that, with the, you know, as we discussed before, I believe that there was a story created by the British press, which then proliferated around the world. Mm-hmm. And we saw them in conflict. What happened was that their relationship moved through transitional change, as all of our relationships do. Mm-hmm. So the, the young lads about town, so to speak, uh, changed and evolved into something completely different, mm-hmm. largely as a result of... William being the father that he is, and largely as a result of Harry moving into close connection with Meghan and establishing a new energy vibration for the both of them. You know, it's so interesting. We hear all of these rumors all the time, but he seems to believe that Harry and William are on great terms. So I hope for, you know, I hope for their case and I hope Stuart's right. Yeah, I know they were they're so close that you do hope that they've kind of either mended fences or they've always kind of retained that that brotherliness. Um, So I do hope that they're, you know, buddies again. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, let's move on to our royal history moment of the week. And this is an interesting story. So Brimsmead Estate, which was a home within Dartmoor National in Devon, once belonged to Prince Charles and is now on the market for six point seven million dollars. But it comes with a very unique rule. So, Christine, what is this? 
rule. I love this. The rule is that Prince Charles can come and fish on the land whenever he wants. <laughs> He's clearly a passionate fisherman. He has to give 24 hours notice, mm-hmm. but he has the right to go and fish there whenever he wants. And I think this is funny because he sold the house in 1993 and this rule still conveys in this current sale. <laughs> So this is 30 years old. He still wants to fish there. It's so funny. It's like, I wonder why he just doesn't scoop it back up and just. I know. Yeah. Or surely there's other fishing spots right. that he could go to. <laughs> it's so interesting, but I, the property sounds incredible. It's a six bedroom house and there's two cottages on the property yeah. as well. I feel like this would be just an amazing spot, you know, an amazing estate to buy. If you were totally. In oh my God. Yeah. I'm sure like the price tag goes up too. Once they hear that Prince Charles could uh, come and go fishing. Right. But imagine you're out having your morning cup of coffee and there's the prince, you know, with his fishing pole. (laughs) So funny. I love it. Such a great story. All right. Before we wrap up, we have to check in on our royal kids. And we hear that the royal kids have picked up a lovely habit from their grandmother, Princess Diana, right? Yeah, this is so sweet. So apparently Prince um, Prince George and Princess Charlotte are really well known for sending thank you cards to anyone who helps them. And it's something that Diana was really well known for. And I think from a historical perspective, it's so nice that people have shared those thank you cards that they've received from Diana. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. Um, and I think it's lovely that they've passed that down to George and Charlotte. I'm sure Louis will pick up that habit as well when he's a little bit older. Mm-hmm. They're really passionate. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are really passionate about instilling good manners into George and Charlotte and Louis. And I'm sure that that's something that they, they, you know, those are lessons they took from both of their parents, the Middletons and Mm -hmm. Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Definitely. They are raising some good kids over there. (laughs) All right. Well, Christine, thank you so much for running down all things Royals with me. Thank you so much. This was fun. This was such a fun week. It definitely was. It was definitely a lot of a lot of good news, a lot of variety of news too, which we could which yes, we always yeah. appreciate. Totally. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to so much to all our viewers who are catching up with us every single week. Keep commenting, keep subscribing, listen to our podcast, and for all your royal news, head on over to usmagazine.com where we've got you completely covered. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.